This is Upstate's HealthLink on air. Linda Cohen here with you. Well, due to improved detection methods, the incidence of lupus erythematosus nearly tripled in the last 40 years of the 20th century. The estimated incidence rates are 1 to 25 per 100,000 individuals in North America, South America, Europe, and Asia. But what do we really need to know about this very challenging disease? Well, here with some answers is Dr. Hiroshi Kato. He's assistant professor of medicine and an attending rheumatologist at Upstate Medical University. Welcome, Dr. Kato. Thanks so much for coming in. I'm happy to be here. Let's begin by helping us understand what we mean when we say lupus erythematosus. What is it? It's a pretty complex concept to understand. Uh, And as you know, we have immune system to help a, to help a body to fight against infection, sometimes cancers. So that means uh, immune system is supposed to wake up only if, only when we get infections or cancers. Uh, otherwise, immune system is supposed to be quiet. So we have a pretty good re- break system to keep your immune systems under control without any like activation. Uh, but sometimes uh, this break system gets, gets broken, which means that immune system may attack otherwise healthy tissues or organs without any triggers, such as infections. And so when that happens, um, uh, people may get inflammation in whatever affected tissues or organs, and if the inflammation is uncontrolled, uh, that can lead to um, damage, uh, irreversible damage to the affected organs. And it can really go throughout the body. I mean, your joints, your skin, your kidneys, your blood, your brain many, many organ systems can be affected. Exactly. So it's an, basically it's an inflammatory autoimmune disease. Yes. And we don't, do we know what causes it? Unfortunately, we do not know much about the disease mechanisms as well as full like, spectrum of um, symptoms and signs of lupus. However, current consensus about the mechanism of lupus is that it is a combination of both genetic factors as well as some kind of environmental triggers. So the idea is you may be you may be predisposed to it because you have certain genetic makeup. Yes. But there's something in the environment, whether it's an infection or tell us about some of the triggers that might then create it in your body. You know, get it triggered. Get it so the previous research has shown that there are several, several triggers that include uh, ultraviolet in the sun, UV in the sun. So just sunlight. Sunlight. Uh, infections uh, such as um, mononucleos- mononucleosis, EB virus. Uh, estrogen uh, may also play a role in lupus. Really? Estrogen. Uh, which, which is probably why lupus is much more common in women than men. Smoking uh, is also known to increase the uh, risk of lupus flare. So how about medications? I read somewhere that sometimes certain kind of medications, like anti-seizure medications, blood pressure medications, antibiotics sometimes can trigger it. Is that true as well? Yes. uh, There is a distinct um, subset of lupus syndrome. It is called drug-induced lupus. So yes, they cause signs and symptoms which mimic uh, true lupus syndrome, but the mechanisms and symptoms are very different from like idiopathic like true lupus. Oh, I see. So it's a, it's kind of a subset or a certain type of lupus that's not the standard Exactly. Kind. So what is clearly different from lupus is that the drug-induced lupus is supposed to uh, resolve once offending drugs are discontinued. So I see. that's a clear difference from... So you might get an inflammatory 
weak autoimmune kind of response to a drug, but over time that will go away. Whereas if you have lupus, what is the natural course of events with lupus? What does it look like over time? So that varies, but many patients may suffer like uh, recurrent flare of symptoms. So and that means, yeah, let's talk about that. What is a flare? What are the, what are the signs and symptoms of a flare? What, what happens to your body? So, so the flare can cause a variety of symptoms depending on which organ system is involved right. um, by this autoimmune attack. Uh, right. that, that could include like fatigue, extreme fatigue, joint pain, uh, skin rash, uh, uh, hair loss, uh, mouth ulcers, and sometimes chest oh, mouth, pain, mouth, mouth ulcers. ulcers, and chest pain as well. Chest pain. How about shortness of breath? Does yes. that occur? That can happen as a result of um, um, some kind of inflammation to the lungs. Inflammation in the lungs, but also lupus patients are more prone to develop blood clots inside the blood vessels. So that can, so the blood clots can occlude the clog the blood vessels in the lungs. So that can cause shortness of breath as well. So it's a whole variety of symptoms that can occur. And it would seem to me that would make it hard to diagnose because it can affect any organ system and you can have so many different symptoms. Is that true? Is it a hard disease to then actually pin true. down? That is true. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on air. I'm Linda Cohen along with rheumatologist Dr. Hiroshi Kato. We're talking about lupus. So... Who is most at risk for this? I mean, you mentioned that women, because of estrogen, are, are women more likely to get lupus? Uh, yes. So um, are there the other- instance of lupus um, between women and men is about 9 to 1. Oh, really? So it's That's nine times significant. It's more common in, in women than in men. How about things like your age? I mean, is it certain ages more likely to get it, and how about things like your race? So the typical age of onset of lupus um, is like childbearing age, so that's why um, we see many patients who develop lupus uh, in the 20s and 30s, but there's a higher risk of your immune system being getting, conf- getting confused when, we, when a patient gets older, so uh, the, the ins- um, um, the, the instance of lupus uh, continue to like increase uh, with aging. So in other words, basically as you age, the likelihood is greater exactly, that you might exactly. get it. Mm-hmm. And how about, is it, does it affect certain populations in terms of race? Uh, not necessarily. And lupus may affect any, um, any patients in any ethnicity, but the risk of complication and prognosis uh, are known to be uh, um, poor in um, uh, African-American patients. Okay. So it can affect all your, basically all your body systems, your kidney, your heart, your brain, your blood, your lungs. It's, it's pretty complicated. So how do you diagnose it? So diagnosis is based on the compatible signs and symptoms of lupus as well as blood marker. And unfortunately, there's no specific blood marker or symptoms that specifically points to the diagnosis of lupus. So we have to take into account both symptoms, um, the findings on physical exam, and blood markers. Do you ever have to do things like biopsies? Not necessarily. And how about other types of um, imaging? Is there any kind of imaging that would help you, like an x-ray or any kinds of other imaging techniques? Imaging may help, 
to um, clarify whether any specific organ system is attacked by lupus, but we do not rely on imaging studies to make a diagnosis of lupus. So basically, the natural course of this disease is such that people might have repeated flares throughout their lives. Is that it? That's correct. So the vast, the vast majority of patients may suffer recurrent flare of symptoms. So we rarely see patients who have only one flare without any more flares. That's very uncommon. Does the disease get more um, complex or more severe over time? In other words, if you, if you start with one flare and then the next flare, is that worse each time? in terms of the consequences of it? There's no like textbook defined pattern, so that varies. All of that is very variable. Mm -hmm. I would think that's a pretty hard disease to treat. So what is the most effective methods of treat? What are the most effective methods of treatment today? So the type of treatment uh, depends on which organ system is involved and how severe the damage is. But in principle, every lupus patient uh, needs to be treated with hydroxychloroquine and what is that actually? So this is um, one of the antibiotics to kill um, um, the malaria. The malaria is one of the infectious diseases endemic in tropical uh, areas. So this is but an anti-malarial drug. In other words, that's what it was first developed for. Correct. And yet it's being used now to treat lupus, which is not malaria. Correct. How do you explain that? So this drug is known to uh, fix the abnormal behavior of immune system. And so there were many, like numerous um, benefits uh, in the care of lupus patients. Does, is there a na other name for it, um, a more generic name? Uh, it is called Plaquenil. Plaquenil. Mm -hmm. So that is basically the drug of, tr of choice at this point. In, I would say in the vast majority of patients, yes. And how successful is it in terms of, and, and what is the point? Do, do you treat only at the time of a flare, or do you treat kind of prophylactically on an ongoing basis? As long as patients tolerate the drug, um, as long as the patient tolerate Plaquenil, uh, the patient um, is supposed to stay on Plaquenil for al almost indefinitely. Mm -hmm. So it's basically an ongoing treatment to suppress this whole idea of the, these flares occurring? So basically to minimize the risk of lupus flare. So that's, that's one of the major rationales of uh, plaquenil treatment. Is the idea here to kind of um, diminish or reduce the amount of inflammation that the body experiences in, in where, whatever system, organ system? Because isn't the inflammation really the danger here? I mean, does the plaquenil basically suppress the, inflama the inflammatory Correct. response? Correct. So that's basically the key here, is to keep that's, inflammation uh, suppressed. Yes, and plaquenil is a cornerstone of treatment of lupus. Are there other things that you use as well? Yes. Unfortunately, um, many patients may require additional medication that control the immune system in, the, in addition to plaquenil. And in someone who does not do well only on plaquenil, uh, we consider one of the um, medications that, suppress, uh, that suppresses immune function. Some other ones. So other ones. Can you tell me what some of those are? So we typically use either methotrexate, mm -hmm. uh, other thioprene, or mycophenolate mofetil. So all those are technical names, but basically they are, um, they try to basically suppress the immune system from overreacting Correct. and keeping it in check. Exactly. It's so interesting now because today with all of the new research in cancer and the attempts to basically 
ramp up the immune system exactly. or remove the breaks from the, the immune system. Here you have a true autoimmune disease where we want to really kind of put the brakes back on. Is, is that true? It, that's true. And that's probably true for other autoimmune mm -hmm. diseases as mm -hmm. well. So actually, immunosuppressive medications are kind of double-edged sore. So treating autoimmune disease may increase the risk of cancer in some patients. And explain that how. And as you understand, we do need immune system to fight against cancers. So, so if theoretically, whenever we suppress immune function, the patient's risk of cancer will increase. Cancer and also perhaps other infections, isn't that true? Are you more uh, that likely? That is true. That is true. If, you're if your immune system is suppressed, they always say when someone is immunosuppressed, they may be more likely. Do you see that in treatment of your patients, yes. that they are more susceptible yes. to infections? Yes. So how do you, uh, in the little bit of time we have left, Basically, what's the bottom line? What do you recommend for people who may have lupus? What's, what are the important cornerstones they must remember? What is most important is to have a close monitoring by rheumatologists. And um, what is challenging in lupus is that what's going to happen like next week, next month, next year is, is uh, completely unpredictable. Um, and the treatment given like a year ago could be detrimental depending on the current status of lupus. So that's why a patient needs to be followed by rheumatologists closely. And the other problem is that even if the patient's symptoms are completely under control, his or her immune system may still be attacking uh, the internal organs without causing any symptoms. So that's why a patient may need a close monitoring, uh, including a physical exam, as well as lab work. So the bottom line is you really want to stay on top of it and see a rheumatologist Correct. if you have this mm -hmm. disease. Thank you so much for coming in. My guest has been Dr. Hiroshi Kato. He is an assistant professor of medicine with an attending rheumatologist at Upstate Medical University. I'm Linda Cohen, and you're listening to Upstate's HealthLink on Air.